Welcome to In Conversation, a series of captivating and insightful dialogues with leading writers, artists, and spiritual teachers. In Conversation is a production of Banyan Books and Sound. An oasis in Vancouver since 1970, Banyan is a gathering place of the world's wisdom and healing traditions. Come by for a visit or find us at banyan.com for live events, books, and more. You're listening to In Conversation, the video podcast of Banyan Books and Sound. I'm your host, Farhan Israeli, and I'm very honored to be here with Mingir Rinpoche. He's a much-loved meditation master and Tibetan Buddhist teacher and author of several books. His latest book is called In Love with the World, which recounts his four years on a wandering retreat in India and the Himalayas. So wonderful to have you here, Rinpoche. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I'd like to start off with asking the big question, why? You were abbot of a monastery in Bodh Gaya. I imagine it was a very comfortable, familiar life and very esteemed role, and you left it all. I'm inspired, uh, and we have this tradition called wandering retreat. So when I was young, my mother used to read books about those great meditators in the Tibet, the life story of those um, meditators. And then I was born in Himalaya mountain in Nepal. So winter is quite cold and we all get together around fire. And then my mother read a book. And after a certain level, my grandma will cry and I cry and we all cry. So that really give me really kind of like great aspiration. And then normally I like mountains and uh, nature. So I did retreat for three years retreat. And in the retreat, we discuss about how to meditate. You can meditate everywhere, anytime. So I was this um, inspiration and it with me for a long time then. And in 2011, I decided then I go to the wandering retreat. What was it about those stories that gave you the inspiration? Was there uh, realizations that those wandering yogis had on retreat or was it the adventure of doing something completely different? Yeah, so the main thing is about why we do this wandering retreat is adding wood to the fire. So first we went to practice meditation with the kind of like right, with the right circumstances. And then if you go to the many different kind of like environment, especially with the challenge, with a lot of uh, difficult situations, so we can practice meditation with those difficult circumstances. So that really helped us to improve our meditation. And in your retreat, what were some of the most difficult situations and circumstances that you faced? In my retreat, so although I'm, I've learned meditation for since when I was nine years old, and over the time, I really want to do this wandering retreat, and I prepare about going on the street, but the most difficult is 
when I leave my monastery, I'm suddenly out there alone. So normally my life is very comfortable. Uh, everywhere I go, there's a lot of people take care of me and I never stay alone even one day. So that was certainly really big, difficult. So almost like what I imagine, it's kind of like naive. So when you really come on the street, there's a lot of things that I have to learn and a lot of things that uh, emotional level, physical level, environment level, a lot of difficult challenge. Did it, in these difficult circumstances and unfamiliar situations, did it sharpen and deepen your experience and practice of meditation? Yeah, I think it really helps me. I think I learned two things. The first, it really en enhanced my meditation. So even though you face this difficult situation, at the beginning of retreat, I almost died because of the food poison. So very difficult, but because of my meditation, it really helps. I almost died, but that was the one of the best experience in my life. It really helps. The second important thing is what I learned is I learned a lot of things about life. And I have to go there alone and I have to survive everything by myself. And I remember that I, when I went to the mountains and I have to make fire. So to make fire, it takes a few days to make fire. In the end, I was very happy. Oh, now there's fire. And what I have to do is I have to boil hot water. And it took me two hours to boil one hot water. After the water is boiled, I was so happy. And when I begin to drink, it tastes like smoke. Because I was you know, blowing the fire and then just producing a lot of smoke. So... Actually, I learned a lot about the, the life. Hmm? Tell us a little bit about the, um, your near-death experience. I mean, that must have been a profound experience to be so close to death and to have survived it. What oh, was yeah. that like? Yes, yeah, so the food after... I have a few thousand rupees at the beginning. I have a few thousand Indian rupees. Then all this money finished within three weeks. So then I was on the street. So no money to buy food. And then I went to one restaurant and begged the food. They said, oh, you come in the night before they close the restaurant. So then I went there and they gave me leftover food. So that I think might be not so clean. I had that. Then that night, I began to have diarrhea, diarrhea and vomiting. The next day continued. So for five days, I only drink the, the palm wheel water. So then that was uh, really uh, kind of like difficult. And then in the end, I become paralyzed, cannot see, cannot hear. And... Then what I did is I just practiced meditation. So what we call the essence of meditation is to be with the awareness. So although there's a lot of different experience that I feel like falling, then losing the senses, then become body become paralyzed, but my mind become clear. 
when I rest more with this awareness, mind become more clear, more open. In the end, it's not, not like thought, not like the feeling that what we have this sensation in the body, thought with the image, all this. These are gone, but mind is really fast, completely open, and I know what's going on, but then there's not really words about the, what I'm experiencing. So beyond, almost beyond concept yet, knows when I'm present. So I'm in that state for a few hours and that is really give me great insight about my meditation. Is that state the goal of meditation practice? Goal of meditation practice is to connect with the awareness which is always with us but it is not that to get rid of thought and emotion and feeling. So, but when we die, it comes automatically by product because of the dying. So we have this dying meditation. So people, meditators die with the meditation. My father, uh, with my, when my father died, he was in the dying meditation for three days. My grandpa also great meditator and he was in that state for three and a half days. So when you are in the dying meditation, your, your body not suddenly become rotten. And almost you look like normal, you look like smiling and face glowing. Then after three days later, the meditation finished. As soon as the meditation finished, the body become like this and then change everything, swollen, everything like that. So dying meditation is the when we die with this joyful, non-conceptual experience, be with that state. So that's the, what we call dying meditation. So that is not the particular goal of meditation. When we practice in this life, of course we have thought and emotion and feeling. These are okay. Let's explore that a little bit further because that seems a, an easy route to take in context of our subject, but uh, all emotions, all emotions, how can one develop the ability to be in awareness even when very strong, unpleasant emotions arise? So what we call awareness is like sky, thought, emotion, feeling, memory, all these are like cloud. So no matter how much cloud in the sky or what kind of cloud, it doesn't matter for the sky. Beautiful cloud, ugly cloud, storm or blue sky. For the sky, it doesn't matter. So awareness is like sky, always present there. And then thought, emotion, feeling, memory is like cloud, comes and goes, comes and goes. So the meditation is to connect with the awareness, not try to get it up, thought and feeling emotion. So when we more and more connect with awareness itself, then we are not lost in the thought and emotion. So to do that, the step-by-step -step practice, so begin with the, what we call breathing meditation. So you are aware of your breath. So the breath is the object of your meditation, breathing in, and there's, there's a two types of meditation, the object-oriented or subject-oriented. The object-oriented meditation meaning 
the breath is important. Stay with the breath. And for us, it's the subject-oriented. The awareness is important. So to maintain awareness, breath is just object. So you learn this with the breath. Eventually, you can watch your own feeling, like stress, sensation in your body, the stress, panic, depression. Same like you're watching the breath, you can watch them. And so normally what we call, if you see the river, you're out of river. You don't have to stop the river. So when you see panic, when you see the feeling of stress, that means there's space between you and the stress. Yeah. In addition to emotions, can you talk a little bit about self and the identity that we have that is part of our part of our personality and what how subject meditation may help us to break through that or break free of that. Yeah, so there are three self. So what we call unhealthy sense of self and healthy sense of self and then self beyond self. So there's three layers. The first is unhealthy, which is very sensitive, easy to cry, easy to laugh, easy to froze, easy to burn. Um, if someone says something slightly wrong, you feel unhappy. Days, someone says something nice and suddenly happy. So that's a really like very sensitive and delicate. So that's the service level. And below that, there's healthy sense of self. And that self is connected with the more open, clear clarity, what we call the sense of love, compassion, wisdom. So unhealthy sense of self says, you have to win and other have lost. But the healthy sense of self says, we all are same. Kind and compassion is important. So you can do experiment that whatever if you follow to the health, unhealthy sense of self, even you achieve a lot, you will not really feel the deep peace, joy that comes inside you. You still feel hollow. But if you listen to a healthy sense of self, like do social work, help others, you really feel happy from inside. So the real you is more connected with the healthy sense of self. Then below that, what we call the self beyond me or sometimes what we call luminous self. So that is the boundless free and that is the awareness like sky that always with us and there's a peaceful, calm, present. But we are not recognized that. Not so easy to recognize. If we can talk a little bit more about the healthy sense of self, how is that connected with free will? So the healthy sense of self actually is calling us all the time. So no matter how much you achieve, the deeper level, there's still something more. This is not the, the meaning of life. What is this all about? So there's kind of genuine question is there. So 
when you when you explore their question, the real meaning of life is something which is connected with the love, compassion, something which is connected with the care about you and others. So that healthy sense of self is the real kind of like who you, who we are actually. Hmm? And, you know, speaking on love and compassion, you titled the book In Love with the World. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that title and what, what your experience was in coming up with that to describe the book. Yeah, at the beginning when I went to the, uh, on the street, street, I feel like why I'm here. I'm not belong here. I, I see the streets are very dirty, unsafe, a lot of dogs around me. And in the daytime, we are okay with the dogs. And nighttime, when I move a little bit, they all chase me, you know. And uh, scary. So then I have this uh, almost die experience. Then in the end, I back, I, I rest in the awareness. Then I come back. So when I come back, everything's changed now. Now I feel like so happy to be alive. The street become like my home. And I remember this tree in front of me and when I look at the tree, wow, the tree is so alive. So the leaves are shining. And what I call the, the tree become like, tree is made by love. And wind blows to my face, feeling so pleasant, joy, so much appreciation, gratitude. Then after that, for me, like unsafe, the feeling of unsafe is gone. I feel like everywhere is like my home. So normally, what, and then what I call is, if you love the world, world loves you back. So it really helps the rest of my journey. It's really, really become kind of like joyful because that the tense inside me unsafe and all these are gone. Once I free, kind of like walk with it and free, then all of a sudden I find a lot of other opportunities, a lot of kind of like, even though I know where I should go, where to find food. So a lot of things happen by part of that. Do you think that that's, uh, insight that's relevant to modern people that um, the, the experience of inside is reflected on the outside that somehow our inner and outer worlds are connected yeah so inner and outer really connect for me like um, when we think for example I have one friend and he was army before and he had the, the general, which is uh, quite strict and he don't believe anybody. He think, you know, everybody, you know, have to be controlled and have a lot of rules in the army camp. 
you cannot go after 7 p.m. Then you have to do all this. And people don't like him, actually. And they are breaking the rules and they're cheating him. And a few years later, they changed the general. And the new general is full of love. And he trusts everybody. Oh, you all are mature. And of course, we have these rules. But you can see whether sometimes, you know, if you have some important, you just go and you don't have to tell me even. And we all try our best. And then it's flexible, you know. I believe you. I trust you. At the beginning, all this, um, his friend, they don't believe. Oh, maybe there's a trap or something. It's not real. But they slowly, slowly believe. Then they all really like this new general and they support this new general. And actually the rules and the discipline, everything become much better. So it's become really productive. Everybody really support. And they work together, and love each other. So I think it's really important how you, your belief shape the world for you. I would like to speak a little bit about sleep and dreaming and the chapter that you wrote about how when we fall asleep there's a dissolution of senses and we're not even aware of what happens i mean other than remembering dreams can you just speak a little bit about about the importance of sleep and sleep meditation and and what that is and the purpose of it yeah so in the what we call in the bardo meditation. So this book is about the death and dying. The, the, my new book, In Love with the World. So I use my own experience about almost die as the practice, as part of that kind of like uh, story in the book. So normally bardo practice is like bardo meaning in between or intermediate or in transition. So in between these moments are really precious moments that if you know how to be with this moment, then actually you can transform that whatever you want to transform is more easy. Because normally we have this lot of conceptual or fixed mind. So in the, during this moment, this fixed concept, fixed mind dies normally. And we need to let die ourselves. If you don't die, you cannot rebirth. So, like, uh, break up, lose job, suddenly something great thing happen. Or children, 18 years old, move away from home. Everything survive by yourself. Or a lot of things like that in our life happen. We are facing those things. So these things are kind of like parto in, in, in between moments. Very important. And another thing is going to sleep. Best is the moment of the dying. And the having dream state. All these are also in between the state. So when we go to sleep, actually we are dying. We die our concept our memory, our all this uh, die. And then there's a dissolution experience. We feel like we're falling, floating, burn, a little bit shake. Like and then we feel like blown away in the end. And then, and then feel a little bit dark. And then 
feel almost unconscious and suddenly there's one second or half second very peaceful state of mind and if you be in that state whole sleep become meditation so that is what we call sleeping meditation but uh, it's very fast during the sleep we don't uh, we don't feel it but when we are going to die we will have this experience for me I had a very clear experience that when I almost die, falling, floating, or there's a long, clear. So I thought, hmm, when I really die, if I have like this, you know, I can meditate. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so curious to hear you speak about just the value of understanding all the small ways that we must learn to die in our everyday lives. And what, what does it look like to let go and to, to die to our old perceptions or thoughts? Yep, yep. So first important is you need to accept that life is like wave of the ocean. Life is like stock market. So what we call impermanence practice of impermanence changing up and down up and down the stock market go up and down so we make business right if the stock market is flat then you cannot have business so actually life go up and down is great we learn from up and down we grow from up and down so sometimes what we call obstacle is the best opportunity when you look at the history all the great success persons they fail a lot at the beginning and they learn from that they not give up so the thing is we have to accept that and continue to grow learn from obstacle learn from problem so what we call don't give up but let it go let it go meaning accept the nature of reality and follow the flow of the nature but at the same time don't give up continue to grow Continued learn. So that's the parto. How to practice the parto. So when we are facing big problem, actually that might be opening new door. Might be we learn something great insight of that. Maybe that's the best opportunity what happened later in your life. So whatever our fixed belief the concept, let go. And then, don't give up. We all have great capacity. We all have great talents. We all are unique. We have love, compassion, wisdom, capacity. So try your best. And then that is really, really, I mean, the, for me, great practice and and life become exciting. I'd like to um, ask you about one of my favorite Zen quotes, because I think it very much applies to your life. And that is, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. And you were in a role before you went on this retreat and you're, in the role again, what's changed? 
yeah, for me, first, when I went out there, of course, it's very challenging at the beginning, but the later, it's a really, really great insight. And coming back, I have to be prepared to face with the busy schedule, teaching. And I really like teaching because this meditation practice has really changed my life. Kind of like what now, who, who I am now is because of the, this meditation practice. So I really believe this. Then I really want to share this to others. So I feel, I feel normally kind of like sharing this to others. This is kind of my job. So when I come back, I don't really feel big gap, you know, staying in the mountain alone and suddenly face with other people or uncomfortable or this. I don't feel any particular tense. But the one I remember that when I come back to my monastery and I want to open my back and suddenly I saw six hands around my back. I, what happened? Because people like to help me, you know. <laughs> they all want to help me. So, so that was quite, you know. Otherwise, I'm happy to be back also. And lastly, what is your aspiration for this book and, and your teaching tour? So I hope this book really benefit. Nowadays, the, the world is really facing uh, anxiety. So when I finished my retreat, they said, oh, this is age of anxiety. There's a lot of anxiety. Um, so the next problem is that we have this anxiety problem. And the base of, basis of this anxiety is death and dying, actually. So when we try to ignore death and dying, the fear grows. Fear becomes even stronger. But we can face it and we can learn from that. And actually, it really helps. So I hope this benefit for kind of like know how to work with the fear and eventually how to work with the death and dying. Thank you so much. It's been so wonderful to share time with you and listen about the experiences you had and the insights and also just to learn more about different practices that you teach. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. You're most welcome. You've been listening to In Conversation, a podcast of Banyan Books and Sound. Canada's spiritual and healing resource since 1970.